Turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at Genesis 12 verses 1 through 4. The Bible says that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. I want you to say that together with me. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. Let's say that one more time. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. You know, every weekend when we come together here at New Hope, it is our desire when we come together for corporate worship, for God, to meet with God and for God to expand us. Amen? For God to take us further. For God to take us from self to Savior and God working in our lives, to serving. That's our goal. Every week when we come together, that God will take us further down that path, beyond self. In fact, worse than that, dead to self. Amen? Giving our lives to the Savior and then turning around and offering our lives in service to other people. And there's maybe no other weekend that is more critical to that emphasis than this weekend, what we call our World Missions Conference. I hope you didn't miss Friday night. Friday night was just what you saw just now. We, we had that last night. We had, we had a whole other group of people that shared how they had made decisions to let God work in and through their lives, in the lives of other people, and how God had made a difference in places near and far, right here outside our doorstep and across the world. It is incredible hearing from people who, who have, who are, and we're going to hear from some this weekend who are planning to, who will be serving or sharing Christ in other parts of the world, whether it's close to home or whether it's far away. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. But it's more than a blessing. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's more than a blessing to hear these stories. It's a challenge to ask myself, have I let Christ work in my life like that? And now that He maybe has been, am I letting Christ work through my life like these people have that I just witnessed? So this weekend, once again, is about expanding our horizons. Taking you farther than you've ever thought about. Taking you farther than maybe you ever have been. Maybe taking you farther than you ever wanted to go. Amen? Anybody that was standing up here, anybody that shared about serving would say, God's taken me a lot farther than I ever intended to go. But, there's a tremendous blessing that comes with that. Amen? When we give our lives to God, when we begin to realize that it's not just about me, it's not even primarily about me. When I become a follower of Jesus, my life is being lived for the purpose of serving the One who gave His life for me, the greatest in all the universe, who would be willing to pay the price for my sins, giving my life gladly to Him, and then listening to His voice as He says, if you have my heart, my heart is for the others. The ones who do not yet know me, or the ones who do know me, but I want to use you and their lives so that they can find and fulfill the purpose that I have for them. And then to find out the backside of that, 
that we are eternally blessed in the process. I don't, like I said, I don't need a mansion in heaven. I, he's worth it, amen? He's worthy. If I never get nothing, anything else out of this deal, He is worthy for me to give my life to. But then to find the backside of it that I get all this blessing, and it's not just streets of gold and a beautiful house, but it's seeing lives eternally changed. Because you and I made a very simple decision. I'm going to trust and follow Jesus and do His purpose for my life. And there's maybe no better passage for us to think about that than Genesis chapter 12 where God called a man named Abraham. And so I want us to look at that passage together today and talk about the fact that we are called to be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 4. We are called to be a blessing. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country. Leave your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, where he was at the time, when God was speaking these words to him. I want us to think about being called to be a blessing. And the first thing in verse 1 is Abraham received a call from God. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Now the Lord spoke. The Lord said to Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your people, your father's house, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. In this verse, we see a man named Abram, and I'm going to refer to him because it's a little bit easier and a little bit more familiar to us. Later, he is renamed Abraham. And so I'm going to refer to him that way from now on. But God speaks to Abraham, and God calls him. It says that God said to him, God spoke to him. We don't know exactly how God communicated to them. In those days, many times God did speak audibly to people. Today, He's given us His Word. Today, He's given us His Spirit to live in our hearts. Today, He's given us His people. Did God not just speak to you through some people? Amen? Today, He has given us His work in our lives. God is at work around us. You heard Tony share that, that God, watching God work around His life. That is how God speaks to us today. Maybe some of you have wondered about that. And actually, we get indicators in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, if you look at that verse, that God had actually called Abraham previously. Before this call in Haran, in Genesis chapter 12... Acts chapter 7 reveals to us that God had spoke to him back in his homeland, a place called Ur, Ur of the Chaldees, Ur of Babylon, Ur of Mesopotamia. Those are all different terms for the same area. In fact, we're told in Genesis 11, verse 31, just a couple of verses before we're reading, that Terah, his father, it's probably better translated, Terach, that's probably in Hebrew, would be more like that. But, but I'm just going to say Terah because it sounds easier in English. Amen? But Terah, his father, 
had picked up and moved their family. We find that out in, in, in just a few verses earlier in verse 31 of chapter 11. And so Terah had moved the whole family, the whole clan, from Ur to Haran, about five or 600 miles. And many Bible teachers believe that the reason that his father had moved the whole family was all because of Abraham. God had begun speaking to Abraham in Babylon, in Ur of the Chaldees, and apparently his father decided to go with him as he began to respond to that. Now, many people believe that God was speaking to Abraham, but he wasn't quite fully ready to take a big step of faith, so he partially took it. Can anybody relate to that? Has God ever spoken to you about something and you started in that direction, but you didn't quite go all the way? Amen? And so many people believe that's what's happening. God was calling Abraham to completely step out, to completely step into a new thing in his life. But many people believe that Abraham was initially reluctant to do that. And who can blame him in some regards? Amen? I mean, we look back at these Bible stories and we expect Abraham is a great man of God, a great man of faith that we look up to, and rightfully so, in the sense of admiring his walk with God. But he was a regular person. He was a real flesh and bone. He wasn't some literary figure. He wasn't some cartoon figure that, that, we, that we color in kids' classes. He was a real guy with skin and bones who struggled just like us. And God told him, I want you to leave your country. Now that's easy for us to read his story and say, why didn't you do that, Abraham? Or, or he does it we say, well, of course you did it. You're a godly person. You follow God. It's in the Bible. That's what you're supposed to do. But what if you were sitting here right now in this service and God spoke to you about leaving your country? Wouldn't that be kind of big? Or, or even if God spoke to you about leaving your region, Right? Even if it wasn't specific, when we think of country, it's not necessarily referring to that geo, you know, geographical boundaries of you know, the United States, but we can think of it in that way. But if we think about it in terms of his land, in terms of his region, if God, are there certain things about where you've grown up that you're kind of attached to? Amen. Did you know that other regions of the country don't have Lake George in the summer? Did you know that? <laughs> People come here to get what we've got. Amen. So you can think about things like that, things that we enjoy regionally here, and you can imagine it would be a struggle if God said to me, I want you to leave this region of the country, and I want you to go somewhere else to another region. I want you to leave your relatives. Most of us like to live close to our family most of the time, amen? I mean, in general, we like to live close to the people that we love and that we're closest to and that we've grown up with. I guess it most of the time, but let's don't get into that. But, but that would be our general leaning, right? So, so for God to call him to leave that, you can imagine saying, well, can we kind of do this, you know, kind of, sort of? You know, I'll leave, I'll move in that direction, but maybe I'll bring them with me if they will, and they did. Specifically, leaving his father's house. Maybe, we don't know, but maybe Abraham had a special connection with his earthly father. Now, I can understand that. I love my dad. I've got a close relationship with, with both my mom and my dad. I can understand struggling with that. And, and maybe Abraham had a struggle because he had a close relationship with his parents. Or maybe it was just in general, the Jewish mindset, that you're loyal to your parents. 
that you don't leave your parents, that you take care of your parents, that you're super responsible for your parents. And and praise the Lord, we see that in many cultures of the world, and it should be that way to a large degree. God said to him, I'm going to send you to a new land. To a land you, you don't even know. Just start walking. Just go, I'll show you. Well, wouldn't you pack up your house? Wouldn't you rent the rider truck right now this moment? Wouldn't you call him right after the service if God said, don't worry about it, I'm going to just pack up. Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you just automatically call the truck, get the boxes, start loading up if you had no idea where you were going? Would you do that? Like I said, we want to read these Bible accounts and, and make them seem so obvious. But if you think about it, what if it was you today? What if God was calling you to move? I think we can all understand it wouldn't be quite that easy, would it? So Abraham had originally set out from his hometown in Ur, but many people believe that his dad and some of his family had come with him. And by the way, we have indications from Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, that Abraham's dad did not know and follow and worship the one true God. So it appears that his family was willing to go a little bit in that direction and maybe a lot of bit, 500 miles. They said, this is as far as we're going to go. So once again, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, God calls out to Abraham. He said, Abraham, this is what I'm doing in your life. This is what I've created you for. This is what my purpose for you. This is the call that this is your reason for walking on this earth, for being born in the first place. Okay, good. You've already gone 500 miles. That's a long way. Give him some credit. Amen. But I want you to go further. And by the way, at the time, it was about 300 more miles. So he had come a long ways already. He had almost gotten there. But at the time, he didn't know how much farther it was. God just says, you're almost there, but I'm calling you to continue stepping out by faith and trusting me. Again, I want you to think about it for just a minute. Let's make it real. Do you know where 800 miles from here is? Indianapolis, Indiana is about 800 miles from this point. What if God called you? We heard someone share about God called me to go to a different community and plant a church because people in that area need to hear about the Lord. What if God placed Chicago, Illinois? It's 800 miles that way, roughly. What if God placed Chicago, Illinois on your heart? That's real, isn't it? So this was quite a challenge that God was putting before Abraham to trust God. God was calling him to take a big step of faith. And by the way, it wasn't a leap of faith. People, people mis, uh, misspeak when they use that terminology. It's not a leap of faith to follow God. That sounds like blind faith. Following God is not blind faith. Following God is faith, but it's not blind faith. I'm not just picking any door, right? I'm not just jumping out of any window. I'm not just jumping off of any mountain. I'm following God. It is faith, it is trusting, but it's not trusting in nothing. Amen? In fact, it's trusting in the best. That's right. This weekend, we're celebrating a world missions conference. The purpose is to expose us to what God is doing in this world and to remind each one of us, just like Abraham, that God is calling you in some unique way to be a part, just like Abraham, of what he is up to in this world. You know what Abraham's call tells us? It tells us that even if you did not grow up in church, like Abraham, 
God can call you. Even if much or most of your family are not believers, God can call and use you. Even if you're not really quite sure what it is that God wants to do in your life, even if God has spoken to you before and you kind of took some steps in that direction, but not quite, the Bible is saying to us that God calls people like that. God calls people like me and like you. And can I share something with you? I'm going to assume, especially in a nutrient-rich environment, like a church family... That, that is seeking to know and follow God. Amen, are we? Amen. That our heart is to know God, is to study His Word, is to honor Him, is to share Him with other people, is to encourage one another, to build one another up, to train and equip one another, and all those different things that God has called us to be and that we're experiencing here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess if God can use a guy like Abraham, that God is for sure calling people like you and me. Amen. I can guarantee it. And some of you are beginning to sense that call and you need to answer that call. But before we get to that, before we get to answering that call, let's look at what else God says to Abraham. He gives him a promise. He gives him several promises in verses 2 and 3. He says, and this is what I'm going to do, Abraham. I'm calling you to step out, but this is what I'm going to do. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The Lord says, Abraham, I'm going to do something in your life. God was making, write this word down, God was making a covenant with Abraham. We serve a covenant-making God. This is what Bible teachers call the Abrahamic covenant. And there were several things involved with these promises, these commitments to God, and it's even heavier than that. A covenant is is, is a very strong promise, a very strong commitment. God was making some promises about a land. God was promising Abraham to give him some land, some real estate. By the way, don't forget, at the time, he didn't know what real estate he was getting, right? God just says, I am going, I'm going to show you where it is. And I'm promising you right now that I'm giving you some square footage. I'm giving you some land on this earth. He was promising Abraham a seed. He was promising Abraham offspring, we could say. Now listen, we get a little bit of a clue in verse 4. We're going to look at it in just a moment. But the guy was 75 years old. And his wife was no spring chicken. She wasn't far behind. And they had had no kids by this time. Now again, if we just make this, you know, color the pictures of the cartoon, it's easy. We read Abraham and Sarah and we read their story and it makes sense and all that kind of stuff if you've read it before. But listen, 75-year-old people don't have babies, amen? And pretty much, if you've got to 75 and you hadn't had the first one, you pretty well start getting the idea, amen? Beyond that, not just a seed, but God was promising him a nation. A whole group of people, a a people was going to come forth out of this old fellow. 
He was going to leave. He was going to, as a 75-year-old with no kids and a wife that was pretty old too, and leaving his family behind, God was promising that he was going to have descendants as much as the sand on the seashore. Now think about that for just a moment. If there's anybody 75 years in this room, if I said, I feel like the Lord sort of spoke to my heart, and somebody here is going to have a baby, you know, over the next little while, would you, if you're 75 years old, say, it's got to be us. It's got to be us. <laughs> would you think that you're going to have millions and millions of those babies? It was crazy, wasn't it? And God promised him a blessing. Now listen to this. He said, Abraham, you and your family is going, are going to be a blessing to all the peoples of the whole wide world. Can you imagine if God spoke to you something like that? If you were sitting here right now and God just prompted your heart, I'm going to use you. You are going to touch a lot of people's lives. Would you tell anybody that? Would you tell anybody that? Probably many of us wouldn't, would we? Why? Because it sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Well, who do you think you are? Mr. Billy Graham, amen? Sure, thousands upon thousands are kind of going to come listen to you one day, amen? Nobody would say that, but you know what? I believe God says that to more people than are admitting it. And sometimes I see glimpses of that through some of you guys, that you have a sense, there's, God is inside of me. It has nothing to do with me, except for the privilege that He's granted me to be His son, first of all, and then to be partners together with Him and with others in that work. But it has nothing to do with me. But I sense in my heart, and I think many of you do, I hear you sometimes share that. I hear it's almost, almost, almost embarrassed to say, I feel like God wants to do something with my life. Don't be embarrassed to feel that way and to express that. Obviously, not in an arrogant, prideful, because I'm super special. and I think I'm so gifted, and some people have that problem. Amen? If that's, if that's where you're leaning, then that's a problem. But if it's because the God of the universe lives inside of you and is pricking your heart that He wants to work through you, I would think that that kind of a God could do pretty big things. Amen? Now that's not to say that that living on the backside of, of somewhere with with uh, you know uh, with not a lot of visible or or being in some a realm or some situation in life that that you don't see the visible maybe success that, that's not what I'm talking about I'm not talking about that God is always fireworks and and flashes of lightning Amen. But I am saying that we should trust God that He uses people to bless other people. He promised Abraham that. Now, the direct result of that promise of that covenant was the birth of a nation that has been uniquely used and blessed by God, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. Friends, when you read your Bible, it's one of the evidences that this book is true. I mean, there's a lot of evidences. But but you read the Bible and say, you know what? From the world's point of view, these people, the Jewish people, the Israelite people, are a small nation... And many times they're despised and looked down by the world. But God has blessed and used the Jewish people far beyond any other nation of the world. Let me give you some evidence of that. Their land is the center of our world. And even though it is a very small area, it dominates the news. 
Have you ever thought about that? How many other regions of the world dominate the daily news like that small pocket of our world? Isn't that incredible? They have been uniquely blessed and used by God as a people. I heard a pastor friend of mine share this once. I want to share it with you. He said most, if not all, and just sharing some evidence, most, if not all, of the Word of God came from Jewish people. The early church was started mostly by, primarily, exclusively by initially, and then mostly by who? The Jewish people. Though Jewish people only represent, listen, four-tenths of one percent of the world's population. And that may be generous. It may be half that. So 0.4% of the world's population is being generous. Okay, 0.4% of the population. Did you know that 15% of all honors in science, math, medicine, and music are given to Jewish people? 0.4% of the world's population, but 15% of those honors in in acclaimed areas. Did you know that 25%, one out of every four Nobel Prize winners since 1899 has gone to a Jewish person more than any other ethnic group 12% of all billionaires 0.4% of the world's population are Jewish or Israelite people but 12% of all billionaires in 2013 are Jewish in the Forbes wealthiest people in 2015 it is they said that 10 Jewish people out of the top 50, or 10 of the top 50 billionaires were Jewish people. Did you know that the nation of Israel was destroyed 2,000 years ago in 70 AD by the Romans, by Titus? They were destroyed. They were decimated. The nation was scattered and torn apart. How many ancient civilizations have regrouped 2,000 years later, to form another nation or to reform their nation. In 1948, the Jewish people reformed as a nation after 2,000 years. By the way, that's a big part of Bible prophecy as well. Those are just some of the measurable ways that we can say, God was right. He said he was going to bless Abraham and his people. And just by uh, just a few measurable things that we can look at, we can say they have been in many ways a very successful people. God has blessed the nation of Israel. And also there is a curse that went with that we need to be aware of. God promised to bless those who bless Israel. God promised to curse those who don't. Just as a side note, the United States has been a great friend to Israel, even being a, a great impact on them reforming in 1948 until fairly recently. And we're starting to chip away at that support of Israel. We need to be very thoughtful of that because God says He blesses those who bless Israel and He will not bless those who don't. So God promised to bless Abraham and His people. But listen, the main point is that God promised to bless them so that they would what? Be a blessing. And that's the main thing that we need to draw out of these verses. 
Friends, God's whole point with Israel was to show his faithfulness to a people even when they were not impressive or didn't deserve it. God's point through them was to work through them to get his message out to the rest of us. In fact, Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 makes it clear, very clear. Galatians 3, 8 says, listen, what God was actually referring to when he said that Abraham was, and his people were going to be used to bless all the families of all the peoples in all the world, specifically what God was talking about was God was going to bring about the Savior through the Jewish people. God was going to bring the opportunity for you and I to be reconciled to him. All the nations being blessed by God through them very specifically meant that God was going to bring our salvation through them. It was pointing to the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to notice that, yes, the Jewish people had, they have, and they will have a special purpose. But listen, God's plan, you can't miss this, God's plan all along was to get his message out to all the peoples of the world. And if you are not a Jewish person, you want to say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you, just, you did not just offer your salvation to the nation of Israel, but you gave us as Gentiles. That word just means the rest of the world. The, all the other nations of the world are going to have the opportunity to hear about and receive the gift of salvation through Christ. And friends, that was the point of Abraham's blessing. God was blessing him so that you and I could be blessed. And that is the point of our blessing as well. God is blessing us so that all the peoples of the world that we impact can be blessed as well. We have some big goals as a church family. We call those BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. There's some, there's some things from now to the year 2020 that we're saying, God, we are trusting you for that we cannot do these things, but we're trusting you for. Have you ever noticed that at least four of those are directly related to what I'm talking about right here? Number one is that each one of us will reach one person for Christ every year that every one of us in our church family will lead somebody to Christ this year. Number five is that we would develop a missions team. In Acts 1.18, write down Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you'll see that God said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here where you live, in Judea, in the surrounding regions, in Samaria, in the regions just a little beyond, and in all the, all the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1.8 says that God wants us to start here, and he wants us to go to the nations spreading the good news as much as we can. And we're trusting God that we're going to form a team of people, that, that there's going to be a Jerusalem person that's going to help us oversee our outreach here locally. There's going to be a Judea person that's going to help us oversee our outreach to New York. There's going to be a Samaria person that's over going to help us oversee our outreach to North America. And there's going to be an uttermost person who's going to help us have a heart for and stay connected with and oversee our outreach efforts to the rest of the nations. That's one of our BHAGs. You know why? Because we have been what? Blessed to be a blessing to the nations. Number nine, that we would, that we would see ten church planters risen up and trained and sent out from this place. 
Praise the Lord for Tony and April. Amen? Tony said, I got one over here. Who's next? Amen? I got one. Who's number two? Who's number three? Who's number four? We're doing that, not just because it's a good thing to do. We're doing it because we want to be a blessing to the nations. We want to partner with five other regions. That's number ten. To partner with five other regions of the world. We can't, we can't reach the whole world right now, but we can claim part of the world that God puts on our heart that we can say we're going to make sure that we do the best we can to reach that area for Christ. And then we're going to go to another one. Amen. Until Jesus comes again. If you look at the rest of our BHAGs, if you look at that list, all of them are in some way directly, and I mentioned the ones that were directly, but the rest of them are indirectly related. In fact, some of them are not indirectly. The reason we started a kids' soccer league is so that we could touch the lives of kids and parents in our area. The reason we've, we've, we've added other worship services, the reason we designed that wall so that at, when, in God's time and we can knock it out and double this room is so we can have more room for more people if they want to come. We're not trying to be a big church, but if God brings His people, we're going to make room for them. Amen? It's because God has called us to be a blessing. Is it possible that God wants to use us that way? Is it possible that God wants to use you that way? You know, sometimes I think about God calling us here to start New Hope. Do you realize? I remember. Listen to me. Close your eyes and don't look at all the people around you. Close your eyes, turn around and face forward, and just imagine yourself sitting in a car in North Carolina under an oak tree. I was working in construction part-time sitting under an oak tree, and God says, Robbie, I was doing the study, Experiencing God, which I highly recommend. He said, Robbie, I want you to go to New York to start a church. Okay, open your eyes. That makes sense to all you people now. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. That's what God does, right? Easy for you to say. I'm grateful that I'm seeing. That's what, I, that's, what breaks, that's what brings me to tears seeing those cardboard testimonies because I didn't see your faces then, but now I get to see your faces, praise the Lord. Amen? Some of you are sitting under an oak tree right now, aren't you? God is tapping on your heart about some calling. He is promising to bless you so that you can be a blessing to some other group of people or maybe to a portion of this group of people and He wants to do their work in their lives. Don't despise those initial thoughts. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors, he's since gone to be with the Lord, but he said, he said be very careful with ideas because ideas are very fragile and they can die in early death. What if I'd have been sitting under an oak tree in North Carolina? So that's crazy. There ain't no way. I've never even been to New York. I don't know anybody in New York. I, I, I don't know anything about I've never planted a church. I could have shot it down real quick, couldn't I? Be careful with those ideas that God puts in your heart. Because they can be, they can be shot down pretty quick. And maybe God is starting something. 
The last thing I want to look at, though, is in verse 4, the response, because we need to respond to what God's saying. It says, so Abraham went forth as the Lord spoke to him. I'm always, I'm always struck by the simplicity of Abraham. In fact, I think about this, I think about chapter 22, when God called him to, to give up his son. By the way, his only son, the son of promise. You know what Abraham does? He just gets up. He just, I guarantee you, took a deep breath. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? God said, Abraham, get up and go. I think he took a gulp. I think he took a breath. He put his head down and he just started walking. Okay, God. This is what you want me to do. That is what I'm going to do. And by the way, don't let me let me remind you. He was 75 years old, and he had no children. It was really kind of crazy, wasn't it? Don't you imagine his dad probably told him that? Abraham, buddy. I mean, I was willing to go with you 500 miles, but buddy, give this up. I mean, can we please just go back home? I mean, do you really think? I mean. I mean, bless your heart. You and Sarah, y'all are old. You ain't having no kids. Why is it crazy for you to answer God's call? Well, I'm single. Well, I'm married. Well, we have kids. Well, I'm divorced. Well, I'm old. Well, I'm young. Well, fill in the blank, amen? There is never a convenient time to follow God's call. I guarantee you. And something I've learned in my life is that until some of us begin to say, you know what, I just realized, I thought it didn't make sense for me, but everybody else in this room is feeling the same way. It doesn't make sense to them either. Until some of us say, I don't care what I feel like, all I need to confirm is, is this what God's saying? And that's important. We can talk about that another time. But if God is calling you to do something, you just need to step out. And if some of us would just say, you know what, it's crazy. I know, I know. I had a bunch of people try to talk me out of it. And they made some really good points. And I told them, you make really good points. And I agree with you and I don't want to do it. But God's calling me and I can't help it. So I'm sorry, I got to do it. So what are you going to do? A couple of weeks ago, Matt gave us a great challenge about growing. God spoke to you about some of you about that, didn't he? That you need to grow. You need to take some steps. Have you done anything with that yet? Last weekend, Jeff gave us a challenge about getting engaged, about getting involved. I'm on the team. Let me show up. Amen. I want to show up and be counted. I want to be a part of what God is doing through these people. I love what God is doing. I want to be a part of that. I want to be counted. God spoke to you some, some of you about that, didn't you? You spoke to some people after the service. I need to become a member, or I need to, I need to get involved in a ministry. I need to help start a ministry, or I need to start praying, or I need to start spending time with God, or whatever it might be. What have you done with that? And can I just share with you that all of that that growth or that further commitment is really all for the purpose of being a part of what we're talking about right now. God is doing that work in your life because He's wanting to do a work in other people's lives and He wants to use you. Will that be our legacy here at New Hope?
It didn't make sense. But God told us to do it. So we did it anyway. Amen. Won't that be fun? You just got a glimpse of heaven at the beginning of the service. In heaven, our reward is not primarily all those things. And the Bible even describes some of those things, so we shouldn't despise them. But the Bible describes this beautiful, this beautiful place that we're going to live. But the real reward is going to be the impact that your life made on other people's lives for the glory of God. And every one of us will be able to look back and make a case for why we shouldn't have gotten involved. But I'm hoping that some, if not many, if not all of us say, that is not going to be my story. I'm just going to get crazy. I've only got one life to live. May as well risk it. I'm all in on God. Amen? I'm pushing it all to the middle. If I'm going to mess up, I'm messing up following God. Amen? I started that experiment when I was 17 years old. And one of my kids reminded me I'm 26 years beyond it. Almost 27. Can I tell you so far, I don't regret it. And I have a feeling I never will. Amen? I want to ask you to do two things tonight. First of all, I want to draw your attention to some opportunities right below your nose. Sometimes we want to go reinvent the wheel. God's already doing stuff. There's a room full of people who are already serving God, who are praying that other people will come alongside of them, encourage them or be a part of what they're doing, or pray for them or be financially involved, whatever it is. So if you don't know what to do, start with them, Amen. And it's not even what God's doing outside. There's things God's doing within our church family. Right now, I could give you five or six things that God, we believe, is up to right now that we are engaged in, involved in, that you can be a part of. You say, what is that, Pastor Robbie? Can I just tell you something? God's working in my I'm going on a mission trip. Can I just tell you I'm going to be accountable right now? I'm going on a mission trip, Lord willing, pretty soon. Okay? I'm going to tell you, there's two places on my heart. One is Montreal, Canada. And the second is the Gulf Coast where we went and did some work for Hurricane Katrina. Okay, I'm praying about those. I'm probably going to do both of them over the next year, year and a half. Who's going with me? Who's going? Listen, if God is speaking to your heart, go out there tonight and put your name down. You know, you're not signing up to go. God is stirring my heart. I need to go on a mission trip. I'm going to pray about it. I don't know where to go. I'm going to pray about going here. Amen. That didn't sound very convincing. Amen? Amen. This summer, right now, we're doing Vacation Bible School's coming up. Tony just said 25, uh, what was it, 25 out of seven, a third of his church family is involved in Vacation Bible School. Why? Because Vacation Bible School changes lives. I accepted Christ at Vacation Bible School. Many, many, many people come to know Christ as a child at a Vacation Bible School in the United States of America. School of Palooza, last year, we gathered together with about seven to ten other churches, kingdom partners with the body of Christ across this area. It's all about 1,500 people come to Crandall Park and be blessed by God. Did you know next week, they say that 50,000 people 
descend upon our area on two wheels next week. It's called AmeriCade. And we have a lunch that we serve about six or seven hundred of those for free. Can I tell you what a blessing it is? To sit down with someone who's been riding across the country thinking, and God has been working on their heart, and they're outside of their comfort zone, and you can slip in and just say, hey, I'm Robbie. I'm from New Hope that's putting this on. We just want you to know we care about you because God cares about you. Is there anything I could pray for you about? You would not believe how someone from California will open up their heart and share their life story with you and you can encourage them, pray for them, or lead them to Christ and you didn't even have to buy a passport, get a plane ticket, spend any money except to go from here to Kmart. Amen? All these opportunities are there waiting for you. Our love offering that we're going to receive here in just a few moments, you can give so that other people can serve God and share Him with other people. So that's the first thing, the opportunities, but the second thing is an invitation. I'm serious about this. We are not going to allow you to be a part of New Hope and stay comfortable. We're not going to get in your face. We're not going to be pushy. But we are going to consistently challenge you to respond to God's leading in your life. And here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask Ian to come back up. And he's going to play a final song. And during that song, if God is speaking to your heart in any way, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to say, just like Abraham, I don't even know where these steps are going. I don't know where they're going to lead. They're going to go to this front. But beyond there, I don't know when I leave this build what God's going to do with this. But I know God's speaking to me. And I'm saying yes before I even know where it is or what it is. Or maybe you already know what God is calling you to do, but you're not doing it. And right now, you're going to say, yes, God, I hear you. I respond to you. I'm taking that next step of faith. And it's very likely there's somebody in this room that's part of a blessing. God promised to use Abraham to get the good news about salvation out to the world. People like you and me, there are some of us in this room right now that you cannot say for sure if you died right now in this moment that you've been reconciled with God. You saw people give testimony. I've been redeemed. I've been restored. I've been set free. I've been saved, however you want to express it. But it means that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I I asked Him to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. There's many of us in this room who have not made that decision. Why don't you make that choice right now? and Get on your knees and take a step and say, God, these are the first steps of a journey. And I want to begin a walk with you that starts right now and goes for the rest of my life and even eternity. I want to follow you, Jesus. I accept your gift of salvation. I ask you to forgive me for my sin and be my Savior. Would you do that right now? As the end leads us, come now, right now. Just bow before the Lord and make those commitments to Him.